Hi, I'm Nikki from Teaching Autism and welcome to the Autism and Special Education Community Podcast. Are you an autism or special education professional? Are you a teacher or therapist looking for support and new ideas? You may even be a parent, family member or carer. This podcast is perfect to help you find out more information, support and get some of your questions answered. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Teaching Autism and Special Education Community Podcast. I am so excited today to interview Lisa Honnold who is a cyber safety expert. Today me and Lisa are talking all about how you can help to keep your children safe when they're online, especially now when we have things like TikTok and Minecraft and how you can make sure that your children are actually completing their online schooling rather than playing around. We are taking a deep dive into all things screen time and I cannot wait for you to listen to this interview. Let's dive straight in and I'll introduce you to Lisa. Hi Lisa and welcome to the Teaching Autism and Special Education Community Podcast. I am so excited to have you here today to talk all things technology and screen time. Before we start, would you mind giving a quick introduction of who you are and what you do? Yes, Nikki, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Again, my name is Lisa Honnold. I am director for the Center for Online Safety. Our mission there is to help parents stop fighting over screen time so that they can get back to having fun with their kids. So I love conversations like this and I can't wait to get started. Definitely. And this is such a perfect topic right now when we are demanding so much screen time now with our children and students as well for teachers. Yes, I. this is the perfect time to have this conversation. So many parents and teachers and schools are worried, concerned about all of this screen time and what it's going to do for kids. And it's the perfect time to have this conversation. Definitely. And I know one of the hardest obstacles that me personally, I had to overcome was trying to keep students safe when online, especially when it first started. And you had sort of these things going on with Zoom and people being able to come into meeting rooms. And it was all so scary for us as educators and our students' families as well. So what are some of your key ideas for how we can keep our kids safe online when we're getting them to access these online learning? Yes, specifically for online learning, I know that um, schools that are using Zoom, they've really, Zoom has really tightened up their security measures, the Zoom bombing, gosh, that was a real thing at first. And the other piece of that is parents that don't understand They don't know perhaps that the camera is on and they're not prepared to be on camera. All of this background stuff that's happening for these poor children, uh, the kids don't really have control over. So the more that parents can uh, just assume that they should be camera ready at all moments, (laughs) don't come out of the shower and and pass anybody's room. That's not okay anymore. Uh, As far as specific things to do, you know, the, the best thing is not a technology answer. It is something that I call the family check-in that parents can do in the morning if we're doing online school, which I know so many of us are. Uh, what really helped me uh, last spring was to create a routine when there were almost no routines for my kids. So, you know, the Zoom meetings were all over the place, not sure what was going on with school for a while. I realized that my kids were bouncing off the walls because there was no routine. And so I created a family check-in. It's a quick meeting in the morning. I wake kids up and get them ready 15 minutes before their first class. We start with a word of the day. 
And uh, I led the first couple and then I let them lead so that they had some buy-in and they got to do some words too. And it's words like kindness or, um, you know, they might have a funny word. They might say hilarious or something. And then how do you apply it to this day? Do you want to be hilarious? Do you want to, you know, have somebody else's day hilarious because you made a joke? How do we want to do this? So word of the day is first. And then just the logistics of the day, like who's going to be on Zoom when? Who needs the internet? At my house, we don't have a ton of internet. So how are we going to share? And then um, does anyone need a ride? Is there a project coming up? Is there work that they need my help with so that we can schedule those times? And I don't get to the end of the day and they're like, oh, but we have to go get some crafts. And at that point, I don't want to go get crafts from the craft store. There's no way that's in my itinerary. So talking at the beginning about how I can help them, the other part of that is how can they help me? I run a business from home like so many others. I'm working at home now with a lot of distractions and a lot more opportunity for noise. So how can they help me? Oh, I'm recording a podcast. So between this hour and this hour, I need you guys to be quiet and stay off the internet if you can, because I need all the bandwidth. Um, just negotiating how you're going to use your day and how to be respectful in the same house, because so many of us haven't had to do this with kids that are older. Um, so negotiating that is critical. And then also, maybe I'm working late. Maybe I need help with dinner. Maybe they could do dinner prep. So that family check-in at the beginning of the day switched our mindset to how can we help each other. And it gave them something to look forward to every single day. I love that family check-in. And it's such a nice, relaxed way to start the day as well without going straight into those lessons and everything's pressurized. It's such a nice start to the day. And I love word of the day. That is a brilliant idea, especially when you started leading it. And then you had your children choose words as well. I love that. It, like I say, me leading things, it's okay for the first couple. And then it's so much smarter to get the kids involved. And the easiest way to do word of the day is just to get some index cards and you write a couple on a couple different index cards and then you hand them out the first day and say, hey, what five words um, either represent our family. You can really do values based. You can do character traits based. Have them. They're going to be silly at first, right? They're going to be silly unless they're five and they're totally already with you. My kids are older. And so the first thing is they're going to draw on their cards and they're going to be silly. That's fine. Then they're going to get serious. What are our family values? What do we want to talk about? And it's just a fun way to get into their brains a little bit too about what's inside. Definitely. I love that. And I love where you spoke about the day coming up as well, because I think scheduling is so hard right now for so many of us, so many families as well, especially like if parents are working, maybe they're at home, there's a whole new schedule going on with our schooling and learning. I love having that schedule and it's so easy as well to make that visual if we want to and put it up on the wall so everyone knows kind of what's going on and when it's going on. Because like you say, you don't want to hear last minute that you have to nip out and do something, especially like me, I'm in my comfy pajamas way too early at night to have to nip out to the stores. <laughs> I didn't want to confess that, but me too. I wake up early and I go to bed early. So mama's done by 8 p.m. <laughs> All my audience know me by now. If I'm not taking a picture in my dressing gown with my cup of tea, it's not really me. <laughs> <laughs> They're used to me and my 
very lazy ways when I'm ready for my night to end. But like you say, it is so important so that we know what's going on and it helps us be more organized as well. And it's nothing worse than realizing last minute, like you say, a Zoom call is going on and it didn't happen to me, but I've seen so many stories on social media of like parents in the toilet when their kids have run in to tell them something and oh, (laughs) I would die. (laughs) I know it didn't happen to me either thank goodness but there are so many stories out there of of toilet situations and naked parents and whatnot so we've all moved beyond that we can we can navigate this and you know you bring up a good point you could totally make a visual that's like a whiteboard or a piece of paper whatever works just make it quick and easy the 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 prettier that you make it the harder it's going to be to get through in 10 to 15 minutes. So I would keep it super simple. A whiteboard would be perfect for that and just hang it up where everybody can see it and check in. Definitely. And especially if like you were saying where maybe we have to sort of negotiate technology Mm -hmm. times, especially, you know, the internet and things. I think when we tell kids, no, you can't go on it. It's like the worst thing in the world. We've like taken something off them. But if they can see, okay, I can't have it now, but I can have it in 30 minutes time when she's done with whatever she's doing. I think it's that little incentive as well, where I am going to get it, just not right now. Yes. And while we're on that topic, I think it's important, especially right now, to set up some expectations about when screen time is earned. Uh, I'm a strong believer that when you limit screen time, kids do what's most important first. And I'm not talking about homework because they're not going to do that first. (laughs) I'm talking about in the entertainment part of screen time, they're going to do what's most important first. If they have access to it all day long, they're going to piddle around just like I would piddle around if I had endless freedom. Uh, I wouldn't do what's most important. Knowing that you have a screen time bank is is the term I use, a screen time bank of two or three hours. You're going to check in with your friends first. You're going to um, play that game that you've been wanting to play all day. You're going to do things that are most important. Then if you get access to extra time, great. If you don't, you've done what's most important. So I think uh, setting expectations for, for when you get screen time, are your chores done? That's a priority at my house. Uh, sometimes when I feel like siblings aren't getting along, a thing that gets added is spend 15 minutes with, I have three kids, spend 15 minutes with both of your siblings. I don't care what you do. You could be drawing, you could be on the trampoline. I don't care what you do, but I want you to spend 15 minutes. And you know, they grumble at first, but by the end of the 15 minutes, more times than not, they don't stop. That's my secret. They don't stop. It's awesome. So that positive reinforcement, I love that because I know a lot of families, when siblings aren't getting on, their first instinct is, okay, well, that's it, no screen time today. And you're kind of taking it away rather than encouraging them like you have to spend that time together and then they get something extra, something to look forward to at the end. Maybe it's like you said, that screen time and things. And it's just a really nice positive way to get them sort of with each other and playing together and spending time together too. And it's all about how you say it, right? If your tone is, you have to go spend some time with your sister, then they're going to pick up on that tone and it's going to be a punishment. And they're going to drag that 15 minutes out. They're probably going to end up hitting each other, doing something crazy. If you say, this is just the expectation and you set it out, hey, you're going to earn screen time and you're going to do these three three things. Your room's going to be clean what I call body chores. You're going to have shower and teeth and you're going to do your body chores. And, uh, and then you're going to spend time with sibling. 
uh, and yeah, those three things, then you earn your screen time. That's doable. A child sees that and you're going to stick to your word as a parent and not add extra things on there. They're going to do their things and move on with their day so they can get their screen time. I love that. And it's such an important life skill as well. Like it's something you can carry on through life and put into different areas. Like when you go to work, if you know you've only got two hours to work on something and you have to get something done before, maybe you can consider, I don't know, finishing early for the day or doing something exciting. It's kind of a skill that you can just transport to other areas of your life as well. Yes. Yes. And as long as they know the reward is there, it'll work even for little ones. I think more so for little ones as well, because when they can see that reward at the end of it and the excitement of having screen time, because for my little ones, when I'm working with them, there is nothing more exciting than having that iPad at the end of it. And that is a huge motivator for many of them. For some of us, it's food. Very much me, <laughs> like you were talking, it food is my <laughs> motivation. But for them, you know, some of them are food and some of them are the iPad. And even if it's like, I can literally barter with them and say, like, you know, do this one thing for me. And then you can have 10 minutes and they're going to do it because they want that 10 minutes. Because to them, 10 minutes is like completing a level on a game or, to, you know, dropping in with someone. They all do these um I don't really understand it. Alexa drop in things now. They all uh-huh. drop in and talk to each other. I don't really get it, but they love it. <laughs> and 10 minutes is just enough time to sort of wangle with them to work towards that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a great reward. So the next thing parents ask me is, it's great to limit time, but how? If I have one child, it's hard enough to set that timer and have them get on and off at a certain time. I get distracted. It doesn't work out. If I have two or more kids, forget about it. I'm not going to be able to get out there and set multiple timers and be the police for screen time. And then it makes me irritated. And then uh, I yell at the kids because they're on their screens too long. They're taking advantage of me. And it sets us up for this power struggle. How the heck are you telling me to limit screen time? I don't understand how I can do it and be a sane person. (laughs) And my, my answer is use technology. Use technology to help you. I have two apps that I recommend to everybody in the U.S. I don't have equivalents for other places in the world, but U.S. parents, check out these two apps. The first one is called Circle. And it's a subscription. You buy it and uh, you get a filter on the internet. Please, please, please filter the internet, whether you use this product or you have something attached to your antivirus software or your uh, cell phone plan, please filter the internet. No one needs to see everything. So Circle gives you the filter on the internet and it gives you time limits. And you can set time limits by day of the week for weekend, weekday. You can set it by child. So if you have an older child who wants more time, younger child less, and by app. So you can block certain apps that they're not ready for. Uh, You can also pause the internet for one child, which is awesome when you realize, hey, my expectations, you haven't done those chores yet. You told me you were ready. You're not quite ready. Pause. They go do their stuff. Unpause. It's a quick and easy way to have the app do your job for you, basically. And you just check in and make sure that it's working okay. It also gives you a list of the sites that they visited and you can take a look at that too. The second app is called Bark, like a dog barking. 
Uh, it is fantastic for kids that are either texting or online chatting. And that would be like social media type stuff, YouTube, any of those things. Um, the thing about online safety is that parents are great at offline safety. They're teaching kids how to cross the street. And it's a process, right? We don't just show them the street and say, go for it. And I feel like sometimes parents um, give a child a device and the kid is so excited because they know exactly what they want to do on there. And parents forget that it's a process of teaching them um, how to be good citizens online, how to make good choices, the sites that are okay and not okay. So this bark uh, lets children do what they want to do, chatting online, when there's an inappropriate content, and that could be sent or received, and it could be text, it could be words, it could be emojis, you know, there's some not so good emojis out there, right? It could be uh, pictures as well. Um, I get an alert as a parent, so that I know I need to check in, I get a little snippet of the conversation, I know to check in if I need to, hey, I see that this was sent to you. Uh, it's, um, it's great for explicit sexual things, violence, cyberbullying, self-harm and suicidal thoughts. Like it just covers everything that parents are waking up at night worried about, right? Those are my two go-to apps for those in the U.S. And I'm sure there's equivalents elsewhere. I just don't know what they are. Those sound amazing, especially the social media one as well, because I see so many parents on social media. It's still very new, isn't it? The last few years, new things are popping up. Like this year, I don't know how long TikTok's been around, but that sort of come up out of nowhere, like the last four or five months. And so many parents were like, I don't even understand how to monitor TikTok. Like I don't even understand what TikTok is to even know what's going on there. But having apps as well, where you can maybe block that app if you want to, or monitor what's going on as well. Because I think so many comments now and you see them on social media all the time don't you where comments maybe get a little bit out of hand and maybe children aren't fully aware of what they're saying maybe children aren't fully aware of what's being said to them and how harmful it is I think as a parent to know that you can have that notification and you have that little bit of not control maybe that's the wrong word but alert so you know and you can feel that little bit more comfortable thinking at least I know they're okay on those apps nothing's come up nothing's been said and if it does you get that early intervention because so many parents don't realize maybe something's been going on for six seven eight months time but if you have that app you get that alert straight away Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the last thing you want to do as a parent is to get blindsided uh, by the police coming to your house. If it's that kind of situation, you know, with sexting, when uh, a person sends or receives uh, nude pictures, if they're a teenager, in some states, it's still a felony. Uh, in other states, it's a misdemeanor. But either way, uh, the police will get involved if it escalates to that. And so uh, that's just one example of something that you do not want to be a part of as a parent or a family um, mentally, it, for mental health, it's, it's life-changing. And the earlier that we as parents can know when we need to continue guiding, the better. And the other thing I want to say about this is it's not a punishment thing. It's a teaching opportunity. And um, kids need to know that I expect them to make mistakes. They're kids and they're learning. And I'm learning. Like you said, TikTok two years ago, 
I hadn't heard the word TikTok and now it's everywhere and it's so fun. I don't know if you've explored it, but it is so fun. You can keep your feed really PG um, and you get some, ah, people are so clever on there. They're just so clever. It's something that needs guidance like anything, right? You can go down a rabbit hole really fast and get into some horrible content. So it definitely needs guidance, just like everywhere else on the internet. Definitely. Like you said, I had never heard of TikTok um, up until like, you know, when everything sort of went into lockdown and then it was like TikTok, like took over the world, didn't it? Like you say, everyone is on there. I have seen so many, like my students started doing video challenges and they were so good with like their effects and adding things. They were so clever. And that I was like, this is amazing for them. You know, they're getting creative with it and things. But I know a lot of parents as well really like the, um, you can hold the video and push like not interested, can't you? And hide this viewer and stuff. And I think that made them feel more confident because a lot of them just wanted to be on there to like, you know, make snazzy videos and they were recording different things around the house, just fun things. But I personally haven't done TikTok. I am not that creative or brave but I did try an Instagram reel and um that was scary but I did it <laughs> but like I can't wait say, to see how it, how that oh, develops the Instagram reel it's on Instagram it's um yeah it's okay I hid under a rock for about an hour afterwards <laughs> oh my gosh oh my gosh my daughter 16 year old she says you know the the TikTok culture is so strong and you get a sense of, oh, this is trending today. Oh, this is so cool. This new dance, that kind of thing. And she says, Instagram reel isn't quite there yet. Like there's no culture. There's not, nobody's really sure about how it's going to develop or what kinds of things are going to go on there yet. So it's interesting to watch like this baby product as it, as it grows. Definitely. And like you say, it is all about, you know, monitoring and keeping up with things. But I think for our kids as well, having access to the internet, it's so important as well, isn't it? For them to be able to keep up with things that are going on. And I see so many people now, like this year, especially when everyone's working from home and using technology. Now I'm like, my kids and students really need to know how to do these things because this is where the world is going. But like you say, it's so important as well to use those lessons and teach them. And my favorite thing to do is I always show them my mistakes and how I get better. Because I hate when people think, oh, she's, you know, telling me I've made a mistake. She's never made one. She doesn't understand. And I'm like, here it is. Here's today's mistake. And this is how I'm going to fix it. And this is how we're going to move forward. And the kids love it. And now and again, I throw in like, mistakes I've done on purpose to see who's paying enough attention to be like mm. ah, you can't do that <laughs> but it's a great lesson isn't it because you're putting a positive spin on things and showing that you know you made a mistake it's not the end of the world if you've had this kind of comment don't worry we can do this we can do that we can do this and we can move forward with it so it's not just a negative experience Mm -hmm. Such a beautiful perspective to put yourself out there as the example of we're human. This is just part of being human. We make mistakes. We can recover from mistakes. And I'm going to show you how. That's beautiful. Definitely. And they have so much fun with it. You know, it's always so much fun when your teacher messes up, isn't it? Like it's always so much more fun when you see that as well. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Something that I recommend parents do is um, similar to that is with humility to have what I call a sideways conversation, which is um, not based on what the kids are doing wrong. 
like you said, it, it's based on a fact. You just start a conversation with a fact. You start it slow. You don't have an agenda. Uh, you're there in curiosity and not judgment. Keep the judgment out. You just throw out a fact and um, see where it goes. You can be brave and do this um, no matter where it goes. So an example would be, did you know that adults are, are picking up their phone or checking their phone 150 times a day now? Did you know that? What do you think about that? Do you, do you look around and see adults doing that? And you just start with curiosity questions and you see where it leads and you can go a little bit deeper. Do you think I do that? Do you think I'm picking up my phone 150 times a day? Um, gosh, do you think your friends are doing that? What are they doing? And if, if I'm doing that, if other adults are doing that, what are they missing out on? And kids might say, well, they're missing out on my soccer game. They're missing out on looking at me at the dinner table. I mean, they might really go there or they might um, not go deep at first. But you're opening the door to a neutral conversation that they can put, they can input on whenever they want. And, and again, you're not expecting anything from this. It's just a fact you're throwing out. Another one might be, uh, did you, I saw this study that said kids are online six and a half hours a day, not including homework. Six and a half hours a day. Do you think that's true? What are kids doing for six and a half hours? How are they doing that? Um, just to get curious and get their perspective on things and go as deep as they want and don't lecture them. Whatever you do, don't lecture them about this. I was asking, I was in a seventh grade classroom teaching digital citizenship this last year. And um, the seventh grader said, I was on my phone yesterday for 13 hours and it was a Monday and I was doing the math. I'm like, you're at school for like seven plus the bus. And how are you even online for 13 hours? And she says, oh, me and my friends, we take our phones to bed and we do um, a, a chat all night. We do video chat all night. We just keep our video chat on whenever anybody wakes up, we just say, Hey, how you doing? And did you have any dreams? And so they have their chat on their video on all night. Their parents don't know they have their phones in their room. And I was horrified and I was trying to not be horrified on my face. And I was like, Oh my goodness, are you tired the next day? Yeah, I'm so tired, but I really love hanging out with my friends. <laughs> So there was that opportunity there to go a little bit deep. Yeah, I'm so tired. I could have said, had I been someone in her life more, I could have brought it up later and said, you know, teens need more sleep than anybody. And I wonder what would happen if we experimented with not doing that for a couple of days, if your sleep routine would be better, if you could focus more at school, do you think you could do that just on the weekends? Personally, I would not allow phones in the bedroom. It's just a bad idea after a certain set point at night. I, I, the, you know, best practice is bedtime for your phone is an hour before bedtime for you so that your brain has a chance to relax, do something different, not get that stimulation. It's hard to sleep after that stimulation. Um, but that's just one example of uh, how kids are on their phones six hours a day. 
Definitely. And like you were saying earlier, with TikTok this year, you can fall down a hole so quickly. And if mm-hmm. kids are taking their phones to bed and they're like, oh, I'll just watch TikTok for 10 minutes or something. We all know how quick that 10 minutes can turn to 30 minutes, into an hour, into three hours before you know it. You know, I see so many teens where they're like, oh, I don't go to bed till like two or three in the morning. And I'm like, oh God, if I'm not in bed by 10. <laughs> and like you say turn it into that conversation like I'm always the first I'll always offer myself up as an example and laugh at myself because kids have always related best to that if I can take the mic out of myself and I'll be like oh my gosh you know I'm a grandma I'm in my dressing room by nine with my cup of tea my biscuits that is my bedtime routine what about you and they're like you're so old and they'll have a (laughs) job but it starts this conversation where they're like is that relaxing though? I'm like, oh, it's so relaxing. <laughs> and but if you turn it around and you're like, you know, like you said, you could turn it into so many things, couldn't you? But if you turn it into an argument, I find kids' defenses go up so fast and then they're like, I, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. And then it's that power struggle and nobody's really better off at the end of a power struggle. Are they? It's just a to or fro, a to or fro. Whereas that conversation aspect, like you say, even throwing up the facts, when you were throwing them out, I was like, damn, how many times do I pick my phone up a day? And you weren't even telling me, but I was like, oh my gosh, I don't even know how many times I pick it up a day. It makes you think, doesn't it, from a different perspective, maybe. That's right. And even though it's a neutral fact, that's exactly what happens is people start to internalize, oh my gosh, am I on my phone that much? Oh my goodness. And there are ways to check, right? With the Um, screen time apps that are built into our phones now, whether it's an iPhone or Android, um, there are wellness apps that you can check your daily and weekly usage and see where you're headed and um, even where it's trending. Is Are you trending up? Are you trending down? There are ways to do that. And I run an intentional screens challenge every once in a while, which is the step before a detox. Uh, It's just an awareness thing. It's a five-day awareness into how often am I picking up my screen? Um, Do I feel better or worse afterwards? That's a shocker for so many people. Certain apps actually raise your anxiety and they're your go-to apps. They're the ones that people are like, oh yeah, whenever I have an extra minute, I go to this app and I, you know, just scroll. I just see what else is going on. Uh, And when they sit with that and they think about their mental health, are they better or, or more anxious? The answer is, oh, this is making me more anxious. This is a repeating pattern. Why am I doing this? Why? It's just an awareness, right? Definitely. And I recently done it. Like I started working out this year, not much, but I follow a few, um, I don't know, like what you call them these days, Instagram influencers, like the celeb, you know, they, they look perfect, you know, from the outside, you're like, oh, I wish I could be them. Look how perfect they are. Look at their body. And one day, one of them said, I want you to unfollow every single person you've ever said, I wish I had a body like hers. So through Instagram, I went, you know, there was a lot of unfollowing. I was like, oh my gosh, unfollow, unfollow. It was the best thing I ever did. I didn't realize, like you said, how much it would make me anxious when I was scrolling through Instagram and I was seeing these perfect pictures and they're in their bikinis and they look perfect and they look amazing and they haven't got stretch marks. They haven't got cellulite. They haven't got spots on their face. They haven't got wrinkles. As soon as I unfollowed them all, I enjoy Instagram so much more now. I don't go on it as much anymore, but it's such a nicer space. Like you said, you don't realize sometimes how something makes you feel until you take it away. And then it's like, why did I do that to myself for so long? 
I love that realization. That's such a good, I might end up putting that into my challenge because it's such a good thing just to not only think about the anxiety that, that certain apps cause, but what specifically is bringing that anxiety and this comparison thing is real. And also it normalizes something that's not attainable. And for kids, especially uh, that is so dangerous to start to normalize that super skinny body or the person who is an influencer and doesn't look like they're even working at all ever. And they're making a gazillion dollars and like that, that uh, facade is so dangerous to um, have kids immersed in. Uh, Also, we've got to know as parents that the algorithms for any of these social media, I mean, the whole point is to make you stay on longer. And if you search for a group um, that is on the border of self-harm, like a cutting group or that kind of thing, uh, that's what the app is going to continue to give you after that one search they're going to say, oh, you like that? Let's give you more of that. And again, it starts to normalize something that we don't want our kids to be uh, focused on. And if they are focused there, we need to know as soon as they start to go down that rabbit hole that um, you know they need perhaps therapy, perhaps a break from social media. There are some things we can do as soon as we start to know, which is, again, why Bark is so essential, because we could know that. Um, But this normalizing of behavior that is so scary and dangerous and not normal needs to be talked about. It's something that these, these social media accounts, they, they all do, whether it's YouTube or Instagram or TikTok, right? Once you tell the app what you like, they're going to give you more of it. Right now, my TikTok has a ton of parrots in it because I (laughs) liked a couple of parrots that were talking. I'm like, oh gosh, enough with the birds. (laughs) So right though, the algorithm picks up everything, doesn't it? And it is so much pressure. We started doing um, video challenges with kids because I quickly realized to get my students engaged, I had to get into something they enjoyed, which was TikTok mm-hmm. at the time. Yes. I didn't want them to be doing it on TikTok because you know what it's like when we were saying earlier, you scroll through TikTok and people are like another level on there, aren't they? Like they have all these like transitions and they're throwing things and changing things I was like I don't want my kids to see like this perfectionism I I don't want that I want them to have fun I want them to do what I want them to do so we done these video challenges and we done one shot and that was it and then we sent it home to the kids to try so they weren't perfect they were funny they laughed at our mistakes but they sent videos back with their mistakes as well and I was like that's that's what I want I want them to not be afraid of having to look perfect and having to do everything 100% and looking amazing I want them to just have fun that's what we want with screen time really isn't it it's supposed to be fun a way to connect with others something that you want to, you know, sit down on the steady, put your feet up and chill. You don't want it to be this pressurized space of everything has to be perfect in my life and look like a front page of a magazine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's back to being humans, back to being okay with our flaws and our mistakes and being that whole person who can laugh at themselves and say, yes, I'm imperfect and I love myself. It's okay. Definitely. But while we're sort of on this subject of especially video challenges, and like you were saying earlier about homework and things, how can parents especially 
know what their kids are doing online. If they're doing homework or if they're scrolling through TikTok for hours on end, how do we know? It goes back to the two apps. That's how you're going to be able to tell where they're spending their time. In addition to the free apps that are on all of your phones, if they're using a phone, you can also install a a timekeeper app that shows you where you're spending your time on a laptop or that type of device. Um, It's interesting how many different devices can access the internet now. I mean, we think about the obvious, the phones and the computers, the laptops and whatnot. Then there's the tablets. Then there's the smart TVs, which need to also have parental controls up and working. Then there's the home assistant devices like Alexa and Google and the little boxes that we have everywhere. And then there's the watches. And I wonder if I'm missing a few, probably. Uh, There's just so many ways to access the internet. Um, Really the the way that, that parents can know what kids are doing is to pop in, they're doing, is to check in with their teachers to make sure they're showing up for class is to look at the the little pie chart that's in circle that says how much, where are my kids going online? How much are they doing these different things? And then having the limit on there. I mean, that limit is everything. Definitely, because it's so easy, isn't it? To sort of assume that maybe they're doing homework and they're not, but it's also so easy to assume they're doing something other than homework because homework looks so different now, especially when we're trying to like come up with ways to keep kids engaged at home. And you know what it's like when the routine is gone and schooling is being done online, it's so hard to keep the kids engaged, isn't it? Because like you were saying, there's so many distractions going on in the house around us. The first few weeks were like a holiday where we weren't in school. So we were at home having fun, not having to think about school as well. But it's so easy. But those apps sound brilliant for just being able to pop in and see what they're doing as well. Mm -hmm. So the other thing is, even if kids are hanging out in Google Docs, they can still chat with each other, right? This is one thing that um, came to light in the spring is how many things they can get into trouble with within something that looks like they're doing homework. So yes, they're in Google Apps, but are they actually doing what they're supposed to be doing? Or are they sharing pictures in a shared document? Yikes. Or are they texting back and forth in the comments? Huh. So like you said, it's hard to know when they're doing homework and when they're not. The more that you can pop in and and know what they're supposed to be doing that day, that's where the family check-in comes in. I would raise my eyebrow if they said, oh, I'm doing a TikTok video for my teacher until I understood that they actually are. Like, it's just important to know, hey, is this reasonable? Does this make sense? Have a little bit of skepticism about what they say they're doing so that uh, you can check in on it. Definitely. It's so difficult, isn't it? Because schooling does look different this year in so many ways as well. But like you say, having that open conversation and I did a lot of like really quick five minute Um, not training videos, but like little hacks. And I put them into a folder for parents because we quickly found out that some of our students, when we ended a Zoom call, stayed in the Zoom call after we'd left to all have a conversation. And I was like, damn, these kids get me at every turn. Like they outsmart (laughs) me every turn. 
So I think it's really important, first of all, as you know, an educator to make sure you know the platform you're using, really get used to those nitty gritty bits. But then I also just done some really quick five minute videos to parents. And I was like, look, this is how to monitor this. This is what you might see them doing on Google Drive. This is how to do this. This is how to do this. Any problems, email me and I will answer to make sure they're doing what they're doing. Because like you say, you just don't know, do you? And kids are so clever. They're so clever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They intuitively get how to use these different apps in a way that we really have to study to understand. Definitely. All the little tricks that I've seen and my students have been trying to teach me um, if I wanted to get out of teacher meetings, how to change my Zoom picture to make it look like I was actually there. And I was like, hang on, <laughs> how many of you are doing this to me? <laughs> exactly. I love those hacks. Those are so funny. And the, the other thing I think we need to bring up is I just said it's hard and we need to study and um, research and try to get ahead of our kids. And that's not my intent. Those like me who are in the cyber safety area, yes, that's what I need to do. What parents need to do is lead their kids. And we have all the tools we need to be able to lead. We have the apps that we can use to help. We have some simple conversations that we can have that are sideways conversations that will open the door into what kids are doing and experiencing and feeling. And we have some limits around the time that they're spending online. We don't need to research everything. We don't need to be the experts. We just need to lead like we're leading offline, online. We need to know that kids need guidance online, even when they push back. Yes, they're going to push back. If you say, hey, we need to start limiting your time, they're going to push back. This is something new. I don't like change. They don't like change either. But the biggest secret that I've come across in the last two and a half years doing this is that kids want, they need rules. They want rules. They want to be able to blame the parent when they have to get off at 10 at night. They want to be able to say, oh, my mom is so mean. She's making me get off. When really secretly they're like, oh, finally I can unplug for a few hours and be myself. I don't have to be a persona. I don't have to fake laugh. I don't have to heart everything that's coming through. My friends know that I just, my mom's so mean. She doesn't give me access after this time. We're giving them permission to do the right thing. We're setting up their day for success. They won't be so tired. And it's, it's our job. It's a parent's job to set those limits, reasonable limits that can be lived within. Definitely. And I think the hardest thing for a lot of parents now is when children are talking to their friends and they're like, well, Sally's allowed on her phone till one o'clock in the morning. And it's so hard, isn't it, to not try and get into that argument then where where Sally's allowed her phone all hours of the day and all of a sudden I'm not allowed mine past nine o'clock or 10 o'clock. I think that is one of the hardest struggles, isn't it, where their friends are allowed something more than them. And it's so difficult. It is so difficult. But what I've noticed is when one parent starts with a firm boundary, the other parents start to go, oh, I didn't even know that was possible. (laughs) If she can't do that, maybe my kid shouldn't do that either. I think it works both ways. I think parents, when they band together and they find a community that's like, oh, we're going to go slow. There's this whole slow tech movement oh, we're going to go slow. We're going to wait till eighth grade to give them a cell phone. Oh, I really like that idea. I didn't know anybody else was actually doing it. I'm going to get on that train. So I think it works both ways. Definitely. I think as parents, we're always 
panicking that maybe we're trying to do too much or too little and then we're comparing ourselves and I think when you find a group of other parents who are doing the same thing as you it gives you that little bit extra boost as well where you're like okay I'm getting pretty good at this now I'm feeling pretty confident now that other people are doing the same as me and I'm not the only one you know setting these limits and Limits don't have to extend to that either. They could extend to certain apps maybe that we have found, like, you know, where we were talking about Instagram earlier and maybe the unfollowing isn't enough. Maybe it's the whole app itself is just, you know, maybe not agreeing with an individual. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes sometimes kids can come off the internet, can't they? And they're in such an awful mood after a certain thing. They can't see it, but we can see it. So how do we sort of stop them accessing maybe that one particular app or that website without causing World War Three? <laughs> <laughs> it goes back to an app that can just turn it off for a while, have a conversation that looks like, hey, I'm noticing the last couple of days um, after you've been on your phone that you're really angry, you're really upset. What's going on? Well, so-and-so is being mean to one of my friends or... Uh, the other question you can ask is, who are you following? Why do you like them? Um, can I can I see your feed to know uh, what's going on? Those are all perfectly reasonable questions. A child should not expect privacy because it's a teaching tool. All of these apps that they're on, they need to know that although they might be set to private, it's not private. It's only one screenshot from being everywhere. And you've probably seen the stories of kids who have been accepted into a college and then had their admission rescinded because of a private Facebook group or because of a private text message that was suddenly shared everywhere. So no privacy there. Definitely. And I liked about a year ago, I don't know if you've seen it, but a lot of teachers, I don't know if parents were doing it as well. I've seen teachers, because obviously that sort of comes up on my feet, but they held up a sign and it would say like, I'm a fourth grade teacher from such and such school in Texas. Share this and see how far it gets. And I think a lot of kids were like, you know, oh my gosh, look how many views I got. Look how far it got. And then all of a sudden it was like, Yeah, so can you see how far a photo can go and how far a bit of text can go and things like that. And it was such great life lessons as well. And he was like, you know, I can delete that off my Instagram now, but it could show up on someone else's Instagram if they reposted it. Or it could show up on Google if someone put it on their website. And then he was like, and if I go for a job interview in 10 years and someone Googled my name, it could come up there as well. And it was like a roundabout way of making them think about what they post without being like, you know, David, why did you post that about such and such? It was like a like that thing earlier where I was saying, you know, what you said about picking up the phone. It made me think, oh my gosh, me picking up my phone. It's the same with kids, isn't it? When you put something to them, it makes them think, oh, I wonder how far my photo has gone or how far that Instagram story I put up how far that's traveled as well. I think you've got to kind of use it with the kids and turn it on them a little bit, haven't you, instead of just outright saying it sometimes because kids react in different ways. Yes. Yeah, it's it's normal to get defensive when you feel like an adult who doesn't get it anyway is preaching to you about something that you understand more, whether it's Instagram or a gaming platform. It's easy to just dismiss it, get angry, But that's an example of a sideways conversation, what you were just talking about. It's a great in 
can you believe how far this picture has gotten shared? I mean, it's around the world. This teacher is from Texas and here she goes. She's just around the world now. And we don't even know how to measure her real reach because of the reshares and because of all these other things that are happening. We don't even know. Isn't that amazing? Have you ever had a picture that people shared that you weren't expecting them to share? Or what do you think about this particular photo that you you put out there? Do you think it's a good representation of you? What if a college saw it? What if uh, a future prof- uh, professional job interview saw it? it? What I like to do is is tell kids that their social media can really help them. So that's twisting the conversation from hurting them to helping them because they're always hearing about don't do this, don't do this. But if if we frame it in, this is your portfolio. And you can stand out from every other person who's applying for college or applying for a job if you treat this like a public portfolio, even if it's set to private. You only put things out there that you're proud of. You don't put silly little things out there. You put what you're proud of. You put your accomplishments. You put um, the volunteer things that you've done. You put things that are good for this world and uplifting out there because you don't know what the reach is. And that's a positive way to grow what your portfolio is. I love that, especially if you're going to be teaching them, you know, from a younger age and they can carry that forward then the older they get. And it'll be interesting to see how different social media is in 10, 15 years now that you are starting to see these movements and people are being a lot more positive on social media. And, you know, you see a lot more different photos on there now than those you know, where it used to just be like model photos and professional photos. Now you just see more positive, happy posts. So it would be really interesting to see where that goes in time, especially when we are teaching our students to just be yourself and have fun and, you know, share nice photos and photos, like you say, that you're proud of, things that you do well and things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that idea of thinking about how we are going to influence the social media platforms because we totally can. And the more that we notice, Hey, I don't like this about social media. Why are we all, you know, Instagram perfect? Why are we all faking it? The more that um, we'll get response from the platforms, it can be a movement. We can make a difference for sure. Definitely, especially for parents now. There's so much pressure, isn't there? Especially when you go on Facebook, maybe, and someone's sharing about like Brenda down the road, how her three kids are up, bath, dressed by seven o'clock, in school by half past seven. They've done English, math, science, chemistry, cooking by, you know, 10 o'clock. And you think, oh my God, how does Brenda down the road do that? And I'm still in my pajamas feeding them breakfast. And there's so much pressure, isn't that? And I think just being able to be real and just be yourself and take those expectations off instantly makes you feel better Mm -hmm. and if there's one thing we can do this fall it's give kids a routine and stay connected with them it's not about the academics it's not about how much we can shove down their throat it's not about how many zooms they um attend and and uh it, it really it's connection it's making sure that we stay connected this is such a time of we don't know what's going to happen in the future And maybe we'll go back to school physically. Maybe we won't. What we can control is our home environment. We can control the the tone of the day. We can make sure and put our values in there. Just those little things are going to keep kids on the right track. 
Definitely. And I know a lot more parents now are using devices for screen time through the day. What would you say to parents who are maybe feeling a little bit guilty with that extra screen time, maybe because school is now online or maybe because there's just times of the day where, you know, they've got to work and they've got to be in an important Zoom meeting and they just need something to keep the kids occupied for half an hour. And, you know, maybe for some children, that thing is only screen time right now that's the only thing keeping them occupied what would you say to parents if they're feeling that little bit of maybe parent guilt let go of the guilt (laughs) we're all living through I, i this word is overused but unprecedented times right we're living through something that has not been done before and we're doing our best for the days where you need a little extra sesame street or you need the kids on their devices um to be quiet i get it I get it. We're all doing the best we can. There's no judgment. I would encourage parents to move toward a schedule that has some offline time. And that could just be a routine that kids get in the habit of. Okay, right after lunch, we have an hour to fill. I don't get my screens during that hour. So I could read a book. I could go outside. Like um, One thing I'd like to offer, I've got a blog post with 100 plus offline activities that are mostly free the kids can mostly do on their own. And it's just a list that you can have on your refrigerator or whiteboard. You point to the list, you say, there's got to be one thing on there that you can do right now. When kids say, I'm bored, I need my screen. Not right now. Our family value is after lunch, we have an hour that's offline. It's called quiet time. Kids can take a nap. They can do whatever they want. Um, but to give them a resource so that it's not taking away, it's just, no, we're going to do something different right now to train them toward that so that you can still work. It's completely possible for a seven-year-old to have an hour by themselves. Um, that's neurotypical. It's not for everyone. Um, what I will say is that most kids can be trained over time to start to have quiet time alone, to start to have offline where they go, okay, I'm feeling a little bit bored. What can I do? Oh, last time I I did a puzzle. Last time I did this. Just to have a list on the fridge helps, but the more that they practice this, the less annoying they're going to be about it. If it starts to be a routine, it's just something that's in the day, something that's expected and they'll start to find things to do. It is a process. It's a training process. If the the go-to is, uh, I need to work for the next hour, here's your screen, that's what they're going to expect. But if the new expectation is, yes, you get a screen for one hour when I have to work, but that other hour, I'm going to have you do something offline. It's a reasonable balance. And it's teaching them great life skills. All of the creativity in the world happens from being bored. It starts with being bored, not exactly knowing, deciding to tackle, deciding, you know, this is an interesting problem. I really want to spend some time on that. It doesn't happen when you're scrolling passively. It doesn't happen. That part of your brain is not engaged. So to give them the space to to be offline and not have it be an option because of that app that we're using, right? That app just turns it off. It's not an option. They go do something else. I love that. I love that list as well. I will definitely get the link off you, put it in the show notes so everyone can access that because sometimes, you know, 
maybe we run out of ideas as well and we're trying to quickly look for an idea and we're scrambling around but having it on the fridge you know there's so many ways you could make that extra fun as well and getting them to mark off what they do and you know tick the ones they like there's so many ways you can make it interactive keep them going with it but like you said as well about being bored I've seen so many quotes over the years where they're like you know the best thing you can do for your kids is let them be bored just for like 20 minutes and see what they do see what they will think up for themselves and you know let them be creative and use their imagination and things as well and we're so scared of the pushback we're so scared that you know they're going to bug us all day and they might the first week but they'll get over it it's a training process and they'll get over it Definitely. It's like everything is that we teach them, we help them learn, we help them grow. And then all of a sudden they start to blossom. It's, you know, it's rough when you first start planting that seed and you're watering it and nothing seems to be growing, nothing seems to be growing. And then all of a sudden, you know, out of the soil, it starts to grow and you can see it blossom and all those skills you're teaching them. You can see them, you know, they're working, they're rubbing off on them. And it's the same with those rules for social media as well. And I know mm-hmm. you do have an ultimate screen time guide and this covers some basic screen time rules as well that families can start to use with their students too, can't they? Yes, exactly. Yes. That's the free gift I would love to offer to everyone is that ultimate screen time guide. We talk in there about sideways conversations and give you a couple of examples and then uh, have some rules that you might want to consider as some screen time beginnings. Um, So It's just a a resource for parents who are looking for, how would I set this up if I wanted to do it? What could it look like? It's some ideas there. Yes. Perfect. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And I'll put that in the show notes. And also that would be great for any teachers listening. You know, they can direct parents to that as well and families, because I think we all know at least one family who's scrambling, trying to find ways to set limits for screen time and trying to balance everything. And it's very hard, isn't it? Especially now. Yeah, I think having compassion for each other and sharing the resources we know that work will get us through this. Parents, we need to band together. And yes, there's a group of us who are setting limits and expect our our kids to be okay without 24-7 access to the internet. It's perfectly reasonable. There are communities out there that we can join and let's support each other. No judgment, let's support each other. Definitely. I love that. And especially where there are communities and people can go there. And even if they just get advice for how to get started, you know, so many families find it difficult where maybe they've allowed their children to have access to the iPad, you know, straight from school. And it's meant to be a reward, but all of a sudden it's got a little bit of a hand because this reward went from lasting half an hour to, you know, five hours continuing through dinner, continuing while they brush their teeth and they're in bed and things. It's so easy, isn't it? It's just, it's like us. We could so easily get lost in social media, not knowing what time of day it is, not realizing the laundry's building up in the corner (laughs) that we've forgotten about. It's just about taking that time, isn't it? And finding others and just getting advice as well. Like, where can I start? Just put one step in place, then the next step, instead of trying to take it all on at once by ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it does feel scary, you know, with springtime, a lot of screen time went up and parents felt so sorry for their kids and all the things they weren't able to do that screen time wasn't obvious. Yeah, you can connect on there. You can create on there. You can have some fun on there. That's great. And summertime, well, that's a time to be relaxed, right? So screen time goes up. 
And now parents are looking around going, gosh, this cannot last forever. I used to have screen time rules. I used to have some things that we did that were not based in screens. And we've kind of got into this habit. This is a great time to do what I call a tech reset. And it's perfectly fine to have that conversation with your kids and say, you know, this is not lining up to where our values are. I want to have a good, healthy mix of this. And I'm not saying we're not going to do it at all but we do need to put some limits around it just so that we can be healthy. Definitely. I love that. And I think it's only when you do something like that, you realize how much maybe you rely on like the internet and your technology that you didn't even realize, you know, that you use it for. Sometimes for me, it could be like going on a long haul air flight. And then I'm like, my gosh, I wish I could check this. I wish I could check that. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, how many times do I want to check the internet? And you don't realize Mm -hmm. through the day, but I know for a lot of our families, the biggest or the hardest obstacle could be they rely on, you know, their tablet and apps and things for children to be able to communicate. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of, you know, apps now where you can access symbols, you can communicate and things. And I know a lot of families really struggle then to balance screen time because that screen time is kind of, you know, their communication time, but at the same time, it's still screen time. So what mm-hmm. would you say to parents who are struggling with balancing that and wondering, you know, when is it too much? That's a really good question. When I look at screen time, I put it in three categories. The first is creation time. And that would be um, editing a YouTube video, having a YouTube channel, creating a picture with some special effects, any, any creative type thing would fall into the creative uh, and parents don't usually have a problem with creative. <laughs> if, if kids are coding or they're doing something online, that's like uh, starting a skill or learning something on YouTube or uh, parents love it when kids are sponges and they're learning things. It's awesome. So there's creative time. Then there's connecting time, which is social media plus everything. It's all of that going back and forth, looking at funny memes and sharing them and feeling this sense of community wherever Kids are TikToking and dancing and whatnot. So there's there's the connecting piece, and parents want kids to do that a certain amount too. And then there's the third type, which is just passive consuming. And that's where parents tend to get triggered is my kid has been on the couch sprawled out for the last four hours, and they're not doing anything except this. They're not adding to the world. They're not adding to their day. It's not with purpose. It's just they're bored and that's what they know to do when they're bored. That's where parents uh, tend to overreact and like start to yell and fight and power struggle. So when I think about apps that are helping a child communicate, I don't think there is uh, such thing as too much time communicating or wanting to reach out. I, I don't see that being in conflict. I I would say that uh, that particular app or series of apps would have unlimited time. It's all of the other things that, you know, the tabs that may be opened along with that, that could cause the parent to say, oh, I think they're taking advantage of this situation. So knowing how to lock down everything, but the communication ones would be key. I love that. And especially thinking of the three categories as well. I think that would be so reassuring for so many family members. And 
I, if you have an iPad and things, it's so easy now, isn't it, to drag apps into different folders. And as you were speaking, I was like, oh, this could be a great way where you're allowed so much time in that folder, so much time in that folder. And then, you know, maybe less time in that folder. That's more the passive thing and stuff. And just making it easily accessible for kids, isn't it, where you can access it, but there's a time limit on each one and you're teaching them as well. But like you say, the creative ones we love it when they get creative, don't we? Because they're just, they're amazing. We've seen so many kids, like there's this one child I see on Instagram and he was videoing himself making um, Lego creations. Like it was insane. I've never seen anything like it with Lego. And all of a sudden he has a subscription and he's earning money for making Legos. And I'm like, his parents are genius because they've tapped into something that he loves, turned it into something where he's still online doing what he loves online. And now he's earning money for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Think about all those life skills. Right. And there was so many good things that I just thought that's teaching him, you know, to use the internet in a different way, not just sitting, like you say, sprawled on the sofa for four hours, which is so easy, especially on mm-hmm. TikTok this year where you're scrolling through those videos, <laughs> getting lost in that. It's like an endless hole, isn't it? But it is. teaching them that there's more to the internet and you can do these things. And then he's like filming himself and he's got new Legos that he's bought out of the money that he's earned. And I was like, think of that as a life. Like that's not something you could teach without him actually doing it. Like he's actually working for those rewards. He's literally got a job and he he's really young. I don't think he's even 10 yet. I think he's like seven or eight. And I was like, wow. oh, I need this child. <laughs> 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 I need him to teach. That's me. a great example. Yeah. It's a great example. So I mean, a passion into something even more. And he loves it so much. Now he's teaching it and bonus. He's making money. That's amazing. Definitely. And he's been on all these YouTube channels, you know, and his confidence, he loves it. And he's talking with people. And I was like, that's the side of technology we really want to push our kids in, isn't it? Because they're learning Mm -hmm. so much from it. And, you know, I think his father did an interview and he joked that um, Legoland or somewhere would probably end up hiring him. And I was like, I wouldn't even joke about that because they're probably subscribed to his channel right now. (laughs) They're smart. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the future of marketing right there. Kids like that. And like you say, that was just from that creative time where he was just, you know, playing around, videoing himself, building with Legos, and then he was putting it on. I think he put it straight on YouTube. I don't think he had social media. I think it was straight on YouTube. But like you say, even editing YouTube videos, getting used to sound effects and editing that video, making it all snazzy and stuff, that's all skills where going into being a teenager and an adult instantly those things look really lucrative on your CV, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Those are life skills. Perfect. So thank you so much today. We have learned so much from you, Lisa. It was amazing talking to you and hearing all about screen time and the difficulties that we can face both as families and educators as well and the different things we can do to make them easier. So I know you have a website, which is centerforonlinesafety.com. And you have a Facebook page, again, Center for Online Safety. And you've also given me an email address as well, info at centerforonlinesafety.com. And I will put all those in the show notes as well as the ultimate screen time guide that you've given us as well as a free gift for everyone listening today. Nikki, I'm so glad to be talking to you. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast episode with Lisa, where we talk all things cyber safety. It was a long one, but I hope that you found it as great as I did. Before I go today, I just wanted to let you know that Lisa's got a course which is called Stop Fighting Over Screen Time and it covers all the basics the parents want to know about how to end the power struggles that screen time brings. Some of the things that we discussed today are in there, like the sideways conversations and how you can use the two apps that she recommends. Parents also love that she's included 10 scripts so you can start those hard conversations. But just as important, this is a course for busy parents. So she set it up in tiny bite-sized modules that you'll be able to get through and actually do the things that she recommends. I'm going to link the course in the show notes for you or you can find it at centerforonlinesafety.com forward slash course. There's also going to be a bunch of other links in the show notes for things that we discussed in today's episode. And don't forget that free gift of the ultimate screen time guide is over there as well. Thank you for listening and I'll speak to you again soon.